to the Bongo High Podcast. Brought to you by Bongo High, Zambia's first technology and innovation house. I'm your host, Mukuka Mayuka. This is the last episode in the series, and by now we hope you're ready to meet Rodney Carew, head of OCA's Zambia office. Open Capital Advisors is a management consulting and financial advisory firm that drives growth, enables investment, and builds markets across Africa. Rodney shares his insights on the investor landscape. Sumunza Moyangana, co-founder of entrepreneurship and tech hub Bongo Hive, is also joining us to share his advice having worked with startups seeking investment. So I want to kick off with asking, why do entrepreneurs need funding? Unfortunately, some in, in some ways in pop culture, um, funding is seen as a goal. Um, things like Dragon's Den or Shark Tank where, you know, people are, are taught you you need to get funding. But really funding is a tool. It's about it. It's a way to you to, for you to grow your company, right? You have a cash shortfall or you need additional cash in order to really scale and to pursue new initiatives. Um, and that should be the key thing that people should look at. How am I going to use this money to improve my business and, and to scale? So really it's, it's about scaling and finding additional capital to finance your business. I asked Simonza and Rodney, when is the right time for a startup to look for funding? Start looking for funding, in my opinion, uh, at at any one of those points, depending on what you're going to what you're going to be delivering. If you have a good take on what the market is going to be, and you have you can confirm that there's an opportunity for you to to take uh, to grow quickly and rapidly into the market with a new service or product that you're bringing onto the market, then you're probably going to need financing. You're probably going to need uh, financing for that. If you can raise the money yourselves, that's 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 great. But if you need to if you need more, if you need more money at that stage, then that's when you need to start considering that you need to have a compelling you need to have compelling evidence that the market is going to be ready to, to, to receive your product or you've got something that is a game changer in the market and you can prove that to, to, get, uh, to get money. And then uh, along the way, like, uh, like, uh, like I mentioned previously, along the way then is when you get the point of do you need money to, do you need bridging money to help you make sure that you can fulfill certain requests whilst you're waiting for money or do you need money to, to, to grow into another market? So along the way, you, you, you'd have various points. And really the key thing is understanding what do you need that funding for? Um, how are you going to use it? And how much do you need and when? Um, and too often people focus on getting the funding without really going through that process of knowing your business in and out, right? Understanding how much cash am I spending on a monthly, uh, a quarterly basis? Um, my plans for growth, how much cash is that going to require? Who am I going to hire? And what do I need in order to, to cover those costs? And that's what helps you really understand um, what your funding need is going to be. And it's really about your cash flow, right? So how much cash am I bringing in? How much cash am I spending? Is there a gap in between? Um, and then finding the, the appropriate money to cover that shortfall. Now we've learned when the right time is to look for funding, we hear what funding options are available to us in Zambia. I think the thing to understand um, when it comes to funding is that people need to be aware of generally what types of funding are suitable for different stages of business. So what we typically see is that as a business grows, different types of capital make sense, right? So when you're just starting, you're at an idea stage. Um, unlike, unfortunately, say Silicon Valley, where 
investors might give you a couple million to go test out an idea. Really, investors here want to see some sort of traction. Um, and that's when they're willing to, 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 to give businesses money. Um, so typically, you'll find when you're at an idea stage, you've got to fund it yourself or you've got to find friends or family who are willing to give you some some capital to start the business. Now, as the business grows from there um, and you've got some results, uh, grant funding becomes possible. And again, uh, the, I think the second topic we're talking about is that funding isn't free. And we'll get into the downsides in some ways of each of these types of funding. But grant funding becomes an option. Um, some grants will, will fund idea stage, but many of them will also want to see some sort of traction. Um, and then you're also looking at equity, which is essentially I receive some money and in exchange I give a part of my business to the person who gave me that money, right? So they become a co-owner in my business. The percentage will vary. You'll, you'll figure that out with your investor. Um, and that is what we see as businesses grow. They're still early stage. They may not be generating profit yet, or they've generated some profit, but not, um, you know, on a large scale. And then really when businesses are mature, that's when you see that debt financing becomes more feasible, right? Because with debt, you have to repay it. So you need additional cash in addition to what you're generating for the business. Whereas, for example, with equity, the investor who places it and owns the business, really what their return is, is the, is the percentage of the business that they own. Um, debt, on the other hand, it's, it's a business that should be making enough money that they can repay those loans. So those are the different options of what might be available. And that's what entrepreneurs should be thinking about, right? Where am I in, in my life cycle of my business along that path? And what debt sorry, what type of funding makes sense, um, given where I'm at. And there are a variety of sources that, that you could potentially look at um, if that's the case. All of these different investors are going to have different expectations. They're going to have different uh, focuses, right, in terms of sector, whether that's agriculture, manufacturing, healthcare, and others, as well as different sizes of capital that they will provide. Um, some may not even consider, you know, an investment that's below, say, $500,000, right? So you have to know what do you need and what investor suits that um, and make sure that the people that you do approach are going to be the ones that are suitable for you in that respect. Now, there's a lot of other stuff we can talk about when it comes beyond the funding itself um, that you also will need to consider for, for investors where we can get to that as well. So far, Rodney has explained equity investments where someone will buy a part of your business and debt financing where you must pay back that loan money with interest. Simunze explains to us a few other options we have, crowdsourcing and grant money. Crowdsourcing is when you reach out to a, a large a larger group of people and say, uh, this is what we've got. Uh, so you've got uh, platforms like Kickstarter uh, that will, that where you can actually, where people actually put up products and then say, hi, we've got this product. Can people put money, can people put money to make this product become real? Or can people pr- uh, pr- put this product because we think it's an amazing product and, they are, and people people who believe that will we'll put money together. So you, if you get a, a, a hundred people putting uh, $50 each into a product, then you have raised $5,000, uh, for example. That, uh, that, that That's an example. Usually, you can get crowdfunding for, even for larger amounts, but if you go to platforms like Kiva, I know that a number of African entrepreneurs go to platforms like Kiva to to raise money in the ranges of the five to the $10,000, and that helps them get that money, and then there'll be terms as to whether you're paying back that money or you're, you are offering something else. It might not be shareholding in the company, but sometimes like on on Kickstarter, people offer products back to the people. So they'll say, okay, great. For Thank you for the money that you gave us. Here's a T-shirt or something like that. 
Grant money would come in from normally from uh, philanthropic organizations uh, or organizations that want to have an impact on an organization uh, in a certain area, and they'll give terms for what the what the money is. Sometimes that money might not be money that you pay back, and uh, sometimes it's money that uh, it's uh, that that takes a shareholding. You know, but then it's it's the terms for why you're being given that grant as in the goals that you should achieve uh, with regards to impact. So, for example, they could say. Uh, we are giving you a grant to uh, grow in a certain area and we are looking for you to employ women as you release your product uh, to, towards us, which means women are going to get jobs in a certain village uh, because that's where you're doing a certain thing. So we'll give you a grant that enables you to grow and provide your services in that village and but make sure that you employ women. Uh, that's an example of a grant, but their grants have various terms that would come from philanthropic or uh, not-for-profit organizations usually. There's a lot to take on there, but don't worry. Now we know where we can access finance. I ask, what exactly do investors expect to see? It's going to depend on on the stage that you're at in the process. Um, now, what we'll typically find, you know, when we're working with our clients to to do investor outreach, is you start with a you know an initial outreach, um, which is just depending on how you meet the investor, whether it's by email or in person or so on. It's typically providing just a short overview of um, you know, we call it a teaser. This is this is what we do. Um, this is what we're looking to raise, um, and here's why. Right, something that serves kind of as a hook for the investor. And often, investors can give you very quick feedback to say, "Yes, this makes sense for me. I'd like to learn more information," or not. Once you've got an investor interested, Simonza explains how you should use a pitch deck presentation to further explain your business opportunity. Over 10 slides in a presentation, you can sort of explain this is what we're doing. You can explain the thesis of what it is that you're trying to achieve and how where you expect to grow. And in there, they're expecting to find out what is it that what opportunity have you seen? What's the solution that you're providing to 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 fulfill that opportunity? What how are you actually going to make money? What are the channels that you're going to make? And what's the what's the market size that you're that you're going to grow into? And then they need some some level of understanding of how if if they give you uh, what's important and what we find a lot of people uh, don't explain to people is if they, if they give you if they give you a thousand kwacha what will they get in return for that thousand kwacha? So it's got to be compelling to say, okay, great, the value of your thousand kwacha, if, you give, if, if, I, if Mkuka gives me her thousand kwacha, I need to know that uh, over then, I need to be able to explain to Mkuka that, listen, the thousand kwacha that you give me over six months, over a year, over two years, the value of it will grow to 5,000 kwacha, 10,000 kwacha, whatever the case may be. That is if you're going to do shareholding or if I give you back that money, in, if it's debt finance, if I give you back that money, I'm going to be able to give you back uh, an interest of sovereign on. And this is how I'm going to be able to do it by growing across the market, uh, growing, growing, growing for a market that I know has a demand for my product. Rodney explains that if an investor is really interested, they'll want to see beyond a pitch deck. And for this, you must also include more due diligence or in other words, preparation and documentation to back up your pitch deck. He starts by explaining the financials you'll need to show. How much cash will you need? How much revenue will you generate? What are your costs going to be? And what will your profit look like? Um, and from there, you know, if an investor reviews those and, and they really um, are interested, you'll move to what's called due diligence. So essentially, this is when the investor wants to see everything, right? So they want to see your financial statements. Ideally, they've been audited, right? Um, they're going to want to see 
your employee records, right? Who do you have on staff? What skills do they have? They're going to want to really understand your operations, right? So if you're in production, um, what types of machines do you have? Um, what, how efficient are you? Uh, what does that production process look like? They're going to want to know your risks, right? For example, if you are in production, electricity costs might be a risk. Zesco just hiked up 75% last year, right? It might happen again in the future. So the investors are going to want to know, have you considered that? Have you factored that into your growth plans and, and your additional costs? Um, they're going to want to see your organizational structure, right? Do you have... Um, uh, corporate governance in place, right? So that essentially means do you have a board or some sort of oversight that ensures that the decisions that management is making are regulated and someone's, you know, steering the company in the right direction. Um, so there'll be a whole host of things that the investor will tell you, this is everything we need. And we always advise clients, before you go into a uh, capital raise process, make sure you've put in the time to develop all those documents. Um, because sometimes investors will say, can you get me this this week? Right. And if that's when you're really starting to put that together, it becomes a challenge. So make sure you sit down with someone and talk through what do you expect an investor is going to need over the course of that period of time. Um, and the other caution, you know, I'd give to, to people is it takes time to raise money. Um, we've seen processes take anywhere from three to six to 12 months, and, and it varies significantly. Um, so you need to prepare well in advance, get all your documents in order, um, but also make sure crucially that you have the capital that is appropriate for finance your business while you're looking to raise that money. Um, because if you, if you wait too long and you're only starting to raise when you're running out of money, you, you very well might reach the point where you can't finance the business anymore. Um, so I'd say those are some of the things to think about um, in terms of what investors will need. Obviously, different investors will look for different things, but that's broadly some of the key things. As we've heard, it's critical to do your due diligence or background research and preparation before you even begin seeking investment. Make sure you have all your documents in order. Funding doesn't come for free. You need to do certain things to make sure the investor will trust in you. I asked Simunza and Rodney what their advice is. Most people, they, that's when they look for things like what we call traction. Is Do you ha actually have proof that you can actually run what it is that you're doing? So any investor is also going to look at why should they trust you? Because remember, they have worked hard to earn that money or to, to make that money. So giving you money is a risk that they're taking, and that's why they're not giving it to you cheaply, or that's why they're not giving it to you for free. The key thing with, with investors, it's, it's relationship-based, right? So... Um, we often recognize that investors are investing as much in, in the team and the person as they are in the business itself. Um, and which is why you'll find, you know, when businesses pivot and they change direction and they start doing something different, investors might still back them because they believe, well, I think this team can execute on this. Right. So I think it's making sure that you're open and honest about what you're doing, why you're doing it. Um, and that you've built the right team to be able to execute on that. Um, it's being responsive to investor questions and, and making sure that you're well prepared to answer those questions. And an investor is going, you know, essentially they're saying, I'm going to give you some of my money. I need to feel confident that you can use it well, right? So making sure you've put the right pieces in place that the investor feels comfortable about those questions, right? When they ask you about, well, how much money are you spending every month? 
or what are you going to use the money for? Where will you be in five years, right? Make sure you have all those questions ready, um, that you've thought through those. And it may help to talk to people who can advise you on some of those, right? Whether that is Bonger Hive or people like us, um, so that you've, you've prepared for that. Uh, because often we find that entrepreneurs don't necessarily always know what that process looks like. And that's through no fault of your own, right? That's not what your focus is on. It's on, it's on building a business. Um, so it helps to get external advice, I think, um, and ensure that you're, you're well prepared for those questions and be open and honest with an investor. Um, the last thing an investor wants, again, just like dating, right? If you find out something later on that's negative, that could be a deal breaker for them, right? So, so keep that in mind, I'd say. Working with an investor is a two-way relationship. So don't forget to consider what you want from your investor too. You should put up front is that if you go to an investor that uh, if you're looking to an investor, don't just look for people with money. Look for people, if you can, try to get people who've got, all, who've got further expertise in, in, the, in the business that you're trying to do. So for example, if I wanted to, if I wanted to start doing uh, cashew nuts and I found an investor who had a rich experience in agriculture, I would try to get them on board because not only would I want their money, I would want, I would hope that they would also be able to give me advice given that their money is invested in my company. Given that they have an interest in my company, I'd want to know that they, they can, uh, they can, they, that they can give me agriculture advice. Or I'd want, the, I would want to know that do, uh, do they have access to markets that will help me sell my, sell my cashew nuts a lot easier? Uh, do they have people that, uh, do they know people that would open doors for me to get, to get access to certain things that I wouldn't have naturally. So it's not all about the money. Try to get, try to look for investors that would be interested in what it is that you're trying to do. Otherwise, uh, your relationship with your investors could get quite painful if they don't understand what's actually happening in your business. Of course, building a good relationship before you receive the investment is one thing, but it is really only just beginning. Funding is not free. So I asked Simunza, how best to maintain a good relationship with your investor once you've received the funds? Try to keep in touch with your, your investors with regards to reports on what's happening with regards to growth of business, reports with, on what's happening with regards to financials in your business. Make sure that you send regular financial reports that say, this is how much money we've made, this is how much money we've spent, this is where, this is how much money we owe, this is how much money that is owed to us. And uh, just your, your regular accounts, try to keep them up to date and send them to your, send them to your investors so that they're not panicking and they've got, they've got a picture with what's happening inside your and that's, that's where they'll sometimes uh, either give you advice or see opportunity or they can see a trend as to what's actually happening inside the business. But, but meet regularly. If they're outside the country, email them regularly. Uh, have Skype sessions. Uh, phone them. Make use of technology to make sure that people are up to date. And, uh, and, and don't, don't, don't make them chase after you. Just keep that, keep that conversation going on so that, so that they are fully aware of what's going on and that they're able to offer help if they can. So you've made your first investment. I asked Rodney and Simunza whether they'd advise to have more than one investor. So uh, some mistakes that, uh, in, uh, that uh, entrepreneurs make is sometimes they might have uh, received investment that is below what they actually need to, to grow out. So 
you might want to you might want to mix and match the types of finance that you get. So you might want to get some equity and some debt that you're going to pay that that, you, that you're going to pay back. But you also you might want to work with different institutions or different providers of finance so that you've got a well-rounded base of of what's happening. So just just in case one funder decides to pull out at some point, you've still got a good relationship with. Hopefully, you've still got a good relationship with with somebody else. And also is that you want to explore your revenue streams. Like how do you make money? So if your if your if your if your case is uh, we make money by selling uh, uh, item X is you invest you know you allow your investors to know that we are considering item Y so that we can also have a, a, a variation of things just in case the market for X goes down we still have Y that we can still we can still we will still be able to run with to make money and and this is potentially in the market that you're still addressing so that you're you're still talking to the same type of market and the same type of customers that you that you that you're addressing here. Going back to my previous point about different stages of um, funding for depending on on the life cycle or the stage of the business, Um, any savvy investor is going to expect that you will need different sources of funding at different points in time, right? And as an you know, if I'm an investor, I want you to get different sources of funding uh, for a couple reasons. One, it signals that the business is growing, right? If I give you money and you never need money again, it might be that you you, ha- you don't have any additional goals to achieve, right? And the business is plateaued. Um, two, it reduces my risk, right? Because if if all I'm if I'm the one who's funding you primarily, right, it's it's all my money on the hook. Um, whereas if additional money comes in, it helps me know that the business is growing, but it also reduces the amount of risk. And Often we'll actually see that investors are more willing to invest in a business if someone else has already invested, right? Because then they know, okay, someone has kind of validated the business and understands that that this is a, is a good enterprise. I asked Rodney, what potential pitfalls are there to bringing on an investor? One of the learnings that we mentioned earlier in terms of uh, funding isn't free is, is certainly one of the, the things to consider here, right? So... All the different sources of funding I've, I've discussed do also have their downsides. Um, you know, initially talking about friends and family, we've seen instances where mixing family and, and, and business has, has not gone well, right? So that, that is a potential risk that you receive funding from, from a friend or family and you're not able to pay it back or there's not an agreement in terms of um, what does this mean, right? So does this mean someone owns a portion of your business? Um, that's often really challenging to determine because usually you get that funding when the business actually is an idea or really early. So there's actually not a good way to put a value on the business. Um, one way to mitigate that is to potentially say, all right, you're giving me, say, 100000 Um If I do raise some money in the future where we then... Um, you know, get an, say, an equity investment, and we determine how much the company's worth at that point, that's when we'll figure out how much the money you gave me is worth. And we'll give you a little bit of a bump um, on that so that you get a slightly better deal than that future investor because you took that risk earlier. Now, an equity investor, obviously the, the pitfall there is you have to give a portion of your business. You know, you no longer own it wholly. And at the same time, that usually means you no longer make all the decisions. Um, now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It can help to have guidance. It helps to have a board, people who help you regulate the business and make key decisions 
but do recognize that you give up a level of control once you do um, require equity funding. If you're looking at debt, you obviously then the key thing there is you have to be making enough money to be able to repay that financing. Um, now, looking at Zambian financing, the interest rates are really high, right? And, and we all know this. So you've got to make sure that you can generate enough profit um, and enough cash flow so that even if you're in a downturn, you can still cover those obligations. And usually your debt funders are the first people who you have an obligation to to repay. Um, so those are some of the, the different pitfalls that can come with it. And we can dive into each of those a bit more. But for the sake of time, I'll just highlight some of those uh, initial ones. Having heard about the potential pitfalls of having an investor and the advice to spread your investments across different funders, I think we've learned don't put all your eggs into one basket. Of course, it's never easy to receive funding. So I ask, what should an entrepreneur do if the investor says no? It's very rare that people actually get around on investment on the first try. Uh, and usually you have to you usually have to prove companies that are currently getting interest are companies that have lasted at least uh, two, three, four years and have shown that they actually have a, a track record of growth over that two, three, four years, which which shows that they've at least got the fundamentals right. And uh, but if you're talking about the early stage, based on an idea and an early start of a company, that's usually most investors find that risky. So expect to get a lot of no's for that. Just be tough about it and keep hoping that you find somebody that you can talk to. You're going to get no's. Be prepared for that um, and be prepared to accept that. Right. I think the key thing is to say thank you very much for your time. I appreciate the consideration um, and that you took the time to, you know, talk with me or, or review the business. If you have any feedback for me, I'd love to hear it, right? Take each of those as a learning opportunity. No, not just a no, but what does that investor have to share, if they're willing, that will help me improve my business so that the next investor I talk to, I've addressed some of those issues. I've at least thought about it and can respond to their questions, right? If an investor tells you, well, the reason I didn't invest is because of you know X, Y, and Z, go back and address X, Y, and Z so that you're better prepared. Um, and ask them if you can keep in touch, right? It might be that they don't want to invest at all. It might be that now is not the right time. So maybe a year, two years from now, when it does make sense, you can go back to them. So I wouldn't say take no as the door shutting. Take it as an opportunity to learn and take it as a chance to maintain your network and, and build that uh, build your network. Because who knows, that investor might introduce you to another investor who actually might be interested at that time. Um, so yeah, again, to, to go back to the dating thing, learn from it, grow from it, and, and find ways to use that as, as, as a long-term network. What do you do if an investor says yes, but is asking for too much? Depends on what you define as too much, right? I think in this context, we're, we're largely talking about an equity investment where um, someone wants a, a percentage of the business that's, that's higher than you're necessarily willing to give up. I think the first step is make sure you've thought about that. Um, make sure you've gone through your process of determining what is the value of the company and based on how much capital I need, how much am I willing to give up? Now, oft, you know, really you don't want to give up a controlling stake, right? Meaning that you give up more than 50% of your company because typically the way companies are structured, the person who owns more than 50% makes the decisions. So it's thinking about, and not just today, Right. But if I'm going to give up a portion of my company today, 
But a year or two years from now, I need to raise additional financing, and that's going to be equity. What happens if I give up 40% today, and then two years from now, I need to give up another 20%? You've now lost control of your company. Recognize that it's going to be a negotiation, right? And everyone wants the best deal possible. And, you know, often they say that if, you know, for a negotiation, if both parties walk away um, slightly unhappy, you've probably got a decent deal, right? You don't want one person to get everything that they want. Um, So think through what is is my threshold. Um, Be prepared to negotiate because ultimately um, it is going to be a negotiation with your investor. And then also know what is too much um, and have a clear reason for that, right? Don't necessarily just feel, well, I don't want to give up 40% of my business. But if you can clearly articulate to an investor why that's too much at this point, there might be some flexibility on that. What I've learned about negotiations with investors is be prepared to hear no and say no. So what have we learned in this episode? Number one, do your due diligence. Number two, funding is not free. Number three, don't put all your eggs into one basket. And number four, be prepared to say no and hear no. This has been the Bongo Hive Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify platforms. Visit www.bongohive.co.zm forward slash podcast to subscribe and listen to more episodes.